This episode of How Is Your Run Today is being sponsored by pathprojects.com. Visit www.pathprojects.com. This episode of How Is Your Run Today was recorded remotely and safely. We hope soon we'll be back at the WGBH studios at the Boston Public Library, just steps from the finish of the greatest marathon in the world, the Boston Marathon. But until then, wear your mask, stay six feet apart, and be safe. And now, without further ado, here are Brian and Peter. Peter, you're an ultramarathon runner. Congratulations. This is now now a factual statement that you have said out loud. Yeah, you did. And you're, you, unlike, unlike the song says for me, you're not even 50 years old. October Ultra, 50K Ultra, October Ultra. It's a pumpkin spice ultra. Excited that uh, I set a goal for myself, worked for it, attained it ahead of schedule. Tell me this: was the suffering in was the was there the proper amount of suffering? How bad was it? I don't think it was so bad. I think it was a very nice day, a very good day, a very positive day. Um, I mean, the training was hard, but the training, because it was hard, made the day of the event pretty good because uh, of our great, my great coach, Coach Paul Davies. Uh, you know him as Professor Lollipop. I've done it again. Peter, I might have to say that for the first time in, what are we, 211 episodes, Mm. uh, we're in complete agreement because this was not a suffer fest. There were parts where it was hard, but it was a a really great day. Very smooth, I felt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Any any eight-hour day you're going to encounter (laughs) friction. Doing anything for doing eight anything. hours, yeah, you will encounter friction, and that actually is true. Quite literally, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, but I, I will say this: because of both of our training, uh, I think it was very smooth. Also, uh, and I'm sure we will talk about this at length. But we were joined by a host of folks, both at cheer stations, aid stations, and even company while we ran, and that just made everything you know it really it really did i i can't have enough gratitude for um the people that came out and supported us that it was so fantastic well it definitely changed the the dynamic of the day um from just you and me uh for eight hours together to much more of a party sensation or a or a, right. a uh, uh despite covid a social engagement to the li- the likes which I haven't encountered in over half a year, in some ways. And, yeah. Um, and then there was a whole aspect of toward the end, uh, the last I would say five miles, a feeling of 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 almost being paced, having pacers, and that definitely helped motivate me. I think I was at a place just before that where I would have convinced you. And question, question me if I'm wrong here, but I would have, I would have convinced you that walking's fine. We don't have to run anymore. We'll just, we'll walk this one in. But there was a real push um, because we had uh, some friends with us really helping us as we go. And it made a real difference. Uh, I know exactly when that spot was. We were walking and <laughs> we had just crossed the seven hour of elapsed event yeah. time. Yeah. And I gave it about three or four minutes. You did. You were very good to me. And I said, Peter, I'd like to um, pick it up here. Part, there were two reasons for that. One, I knew we had 
about five or six miles left to go. Sure. And they were going, they could possibly be our hardest miles of the day. Yep. As it turned out, I don't think they were, but that's because we were joined by two pacers. The other was, I was pretty much tired of running and I wasn't in pain. I wasn't exhausted. I was really well fueled um, Mm -hmm. to my surprise. It's the best fueling I've ever done for an event. Uh, But I, I could see the end and I thought, well, it would be nice to finish. (laughs) Right. Right. Because the more we walk, the longer this is going to be. And it was, it was um, clearly going to rain more heavily than it already had. Uh, That was the other yeah, and, we'd, and, we'd, had a, we'd had about an hour of rain on us, although tree covered, so not so yeah. bad. We but, knew that the next five or six miles were going to be pretty soaked. Yeah, and, and the rain was going to be significant. And the last thing was, I knew we had an opportunity to possibly come in under eight hours, which was your third uh, goal. So I wanted to honor that as well. And I, I knew we could do it. Hmm. Um, we wound up missing it by a couple of minutes. It doesn't matter. But all of those things were, were in my brain. Well, we missed it in total elapsed time, which is true. Yeah. But straight up moving time, we landed right in between seven and eight hours, which I'm, I'm very happy with. And as you remember, my main goal was, hey, just finish. Yeah, and we, we did. did. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did with, I don't want to say with ease, but almost with ease. With bells on. With bells on. I mean, we sprinted the last uh, 50 yards or so. Shall we take our listeners through the day? Is that a good thing to do? I believe it's warranted, and I think it is possibly the best way uh, to also thank everybody who participated. Why don't we do that? October Ultra is a 50K Ultra. October Ultra, just over 31 miles of Ultra. Well, of course, we met up uh, about quarter of seven in the morning right outside of South Station in Boston, downtown Boston, and we're immediately joined by the great Paul Davies, who um, joined us on the first 5K, really, the first three full miles of uh, our excursion through historic Boston. Oh, wait, you don't remember my impromptu warm-up? When oh, oh wait, yeah, that was funny. When artists and residents and crew chief Andrea Bonnie Gould dropped me off, and then drove away, not knowing that I still had the car keys in my pocket, and then the car, after <laughs> the car sold. started screaming at her because she didn't have the key in her car, yeah. and she pulled over and called me, and I had to go run several blocks um, with no warm up and nothing else, just sprinting down the street trying to find her because I thought she was. Uh, th- like the car had just stopped moving in the middle of, of the course. road. Yeah. So that was, um, that got my heart racing. And then I turned around and jogged it back. And uh, there were you and Paul, uh, fresh as daisies, ready to go. And I was already uh, in a full sweat and a little agitated, but that's okay. Which is exactly how I want you to be <laughs> in front of eight hours of, of nonstop <laughs> being with you. Right. That's per That's prime Brian. That's perfect. That, that's right. So that went off without a hitch. Great. Then uh, you took us on a historic tour of Boston. Yeah, we went up the Rose Kennedy Greenway, which is uh, beautiful. And mm. there's lots of little art installations and it's, it's quite nice. Um, and you're running in this green space that's, I don't know, a mile or two long between two main thoroughfares. So it's, it's kind of a nice little border between the roads and and we saw the sun rising over Boston Harbor. Very pretty. Through the Intercontinental Hotel, which was great because um, that was about all we were going to see of the sun all day. That was about it. And then we turned up famous Hanover Street in the north end of Boston, past mm-hmm. Mike's Pastry Shop mm-hmm. and all the great restaurants. And we got to the Paul Revere statue. And while this wasn't the true Paul Revere ride because he took a completely different route, 
we we essentially did like a uh, a modified version of it the way we went toward Concord, where he was he saw the two lights in the North Church that meant by sea, and so he went to say the redcoats are coming, the British are coming. Of course, we couldn't get into the old North Church, which we were planning on going right through the no. courtyard. No, can't do that. And then continuing on our way. And that's when we hit our first uh, detour. <laughs> and if yeah. anybody's ever been to the north, north end of Boston, you know, the roads mm, don't really make a lot of sense. So you would think that just going around a building would mean going around a block. But instead, it took us a half a mile uh, out of our uh, our our route. So we, we went around the building and then just kept going because there was no other way to do it. So we wound up pretty far away from where I had hoped we would wind up and we had to adjust our course and go up over Beacon Hill. Uh, but, and, but and then was, we go ahead. I was going to say it was early morning though. And it was um, quiet streets and all lovely. And uh, we got to see a little bit more of, of Boston than we had planned, but I think it was um, the kind of detour that worked out and it, all it did was get us, you know, further along sort of the ultimate goal of, of our mileage, which I was fine with. Well, and we got to hear all about Paul Davies uh, running every road in Boston. And he, that's right, he, that's right. he only had, what, 5% left to do or something like that? Yeah, since, since that running, which was Friday morning, where he said he had about 5% left, I believe he's down to like only having 3% left now. He's dangerously close, dangerously close to finishing, which is an unbelievable accomplishment. Congratulations, Paul. And so he, he ran about a 5K with us. And we, we actually encountered more construction in the Boston Common. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we went through the public garden and took mm -hmm. a picture with the George Washington statue, which was neat. Yep. Uh, and then continued all the way up to Massachusetts Avenue, where we turned and took our first real walk break because um, we needed to have a little food in our bellies and drink a little water. And right yes. at the moment... Uh, we stopped and we were about to take the stairs down to the Charles River and run on the beautiful Esplanade. We were walking and talking and eating. And there were Corinne Griffiths, Boston's running unicorn, and Jeremy Shaw Munderbach looking up at us and thinking, why are they walking yeah, already? Right. What's going on? Is it over? <laughs> Jeremy Shaw Munderbach. Wonderbox. <laughs> yeah, which so, would become which would become a habit whenever we would take uh, a nutrition break and and start a walk. Uh, we would find somebody we know who would see us and think, "Oh, they're not really doing this." Right, boy, it's going to take them a long time. So they mm. even had they had cowbell and oh, it was so great. They took pictures. It was re it was really very exciting. It was such a nice surprise, and um, it was hard because uh, what, we, what we found out with that was, you know, you want to stand around and you want to talk quite a bit and you want to sort of catch up. And again, uh, many of these people hadn't seen in, in half a year or more. And, uh, but you also had to keep an eye on the clock and say, well, we got it. We got, you know, miles to go. And uh, so none of these stops were ever so long, really, but they were way too short in some ways. Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, and it was at that point that I got a call from uh, Emily Saul of the November Project. Oh, yeah. Emily Saul of the November Project. And I knew she had been planning to meet us somewhere. And she said, uh, where, where are you? And I explained. And then what? Uh, what transpired over the la next three miles or so was just a series of hilarious uh, events, almost like a uh, Keystone Cops kind of situation in which uh, Emily and our friend Lisa Sugarman ran down the other side of the river while we were running up one side of the river. They came to where they thought we were, crossed the river at that point. We were already far past that. And so then they had to chase us down. Uh, and eventually, if they had just stayed in the same place, they would have saved themselves about four miles of extra running. Let's just put it that way. 
But the, the best thing about that is that you and I did not deviate from our course in any way. There was never a moment where we said, hey, let's go back. Right. Right. That was we, not going to happen. That was not going to happen. So thankfully, we did all meet up. And in fact, uh, they, they met up with us at the exact point that another friend, Louise, was standing waiting for us. And so all three of them, I think, unbeknownst to themselves, knew that they were going to meet up. And I certainly didn't know that all three of them were going to meet us at the same point. Uh, so that was just a happy coincidence. And that was right over the Charles River in Cambridge, right at the beginning of Harvard Square. And it was, it was just great. So we took a bunch of photos and then continued and, and masks on, legs moving, chatted. Yeah, and, they, and they stayed with us for, she's uh, from Harvard Square, pretty much to Porter. Yeah. Did, did we go all the way to Porter with them? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then... Louise stayed with us and actually showed us uh, um, a route that got us off of Mass Ave, which is just, you know, it's shops and apartments and, and stuff like that, which is fine, but it was already getting a little old just to run on the sidewalk. And she showed us a paved trail that I didn't know about that actually connected directly to the Minimax yeah. meter bikeway. Took, it takes you into the back of Alewife, that's right. And that, yeah, was a, so that was a nice change. That was great. And so she stayed with us well into Arlington and actually got us around another detour, construction detour, which was fine. That's um, right. That's right. And so, no, she was really great. And she really helped set sort of a consistency and pace mm -hmm. that was super helpful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then uh, when we parted ways, it was kind of interesting because it was the first time really you and I had been sort of by ourselves, really. And yeah. uh, it didn't last. We, <laughs> we went, we, again, we stopped. I probably told you to stop because I wanted to eat something. And within a few minutes, there was uh, the official photographer of HWRT and her husband, Ben, waiting for us uh, at a, at a uh, little rest stop they had made where they brought us uh, water and um, had made a sign, a cool sign. Yeah, and it was actually completely fortuitous because the one thing that Louise's uh, detour um, took us away from was a CVS that I thought we were going to stop at and buy some water. So, right. so the fact that they had a giant bottle of water and we filled up our water bladders was fantastic. Oh, tremendous. Plus, and seeing their smiling faces. I mean, we didn't know they were going to be out there. It was, no, so great. So great. It was fantastic. Um, and, and yeah, we continued on our way a little bit. But not far because then we hit the, we knew, we knew that this might happen. And Mr. Michael Goff um, had a, a true aid station ready for us right near the Trader Joe's uh, stairwell, the infamous stairwell that contains my old Apple Nano that I'll never get back. Um, and special guest star Joe Ev uh, from November Project was there, although he didn't have his cat carrier, which I had really <laughs> hoped for. No, but he did have a real camera. He did oh, have a real camera. Yeah, he, he took some real photos. photos. And the best thing in the world that we learned, so there are several things we learned and we'll go through them as we, but the number one thing I learned that day was that uh, Clausen kosher dill pickles, especially in the spear form, are an amazing food to take in during an ultra. I ate a lot of pickles. Uh, I was surprised. I thought I would eat one, maybe two. I, I must have had at least five. Yeah, I think I had about four or five. And then I took lemonade, which I had been, um, I've, I've never drank lemonade during a race. Um, and I thought, well, I, Michael had suggested he was going to have it because uh, you had said you'd like lemonade. And I thought, well, that's fine, but I won't take it. I mean, don't go out of your way or anything. Right. Uh, thankfully, I never said that out loud because the morning of the ultra, I woke up and all I could think about was drinking lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what I did was I took a huge bottle of lemonade, poured it into my bladder, uh, not my bladder, my hydration packs bladder. Well, it ultimately uh, got to your bladder. It eventually did. And then it left there as well. But what I'm saying is I filled my hydration pack bladder with lemonade and I enjoyed it for the next hour. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and be so between the lemonade and the pickles, I, I really was completely a rejuvenated person because I was starting to, to so that I on a little, my hands were getting a little swollen and it definitely was a sodium hydration issue and the pickles completely solved it. Uh, like within a half a mile, my hands were back to normal. And I didn't suffer that for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, you did a very good job maintaining that. This, of course, was my first time 
out there for that amount of time and uh, burning those kinds of calories, I, upon reflection, definitely needed more uh, options for fuel than what I had. I did okay. I did okay. But I I, want to say I did bare minimum okay. I could have done much better. And I think now I'm starting to get a handle on, uh, oh, okay, I really should have put a couple hundred more calories in each time, not just a few hundred calories. Like I think I needed to double it up each time because there was one point, boy, I'm trying to remember when, when it was. I think it was after we saw Joe Evan and Michael, I started to get a little, not bonkish, but I wasn't, I wasn't okay for uh, for a few minutes. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that point. And, uh, I had some bars. I had two bars with me that I had never, I'd eaten them before, but I'd never run a long distance with them before. And they were each, I think, 340 calories uh, a pop. And yeah. if I hadn't had those, I would have been in trouble Yeah, uh, because that's an awful lot of gels uh, to eat. And I actually ate, I think I ate everything I had, I brought with me. Um, and I too could have used a lot more, especially at our, our big 20 mile, mile 20 stop. Uh, I wish I had had, I don't know, waffles or a pizza or yeah, something. I agree with you. That That is, we put the hammer down a little bit to get to the mile 20 rest stop, which is actually because of our detour 20 and a half miles. And uh, artist in residence, Andrew Bonnie Gould was manning that station out of, the, out of the big car. And the best thing in the world, I also learned, is that a small mini Coke, a seven and a half ounce Coke is the best thing in the world. Unreal. Oh, I knew it. That's why I put them in there because that, that changes your whole life. Uh, totally. At that point. Little I carbonation, also, little yeah. taste, little, little su- sugar, and a little caffeine goes a long way. But at that point, the weather had really shifted. We had dropped about eight or nine, maybe even 10 full degrees, and it was getting a little chilly, and the rain was moving in. And I, I, to your point, I really should have put – boy, I don't know, three to 500 calories in. And I don't think I did. I think I had, a, I had another fig bar. I had some, I had an orange that I had cut up and left in the cooler, but I really should have had something more substantial, something. Yeah. I, I that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, but you don't necessarily yeah. know. I, I mean, this is hard. This is hard to gauge without actually going and doing it and feeling. Yeah. It. And, and it's a strange thing because I haven't yet found what that thing is that I can tolerate. And I'll tell you in other races, um, longer distance races or trail races where you're not really putting the hammer down, so to speak, like you would in a road race. Mm. Um, I do eat all kinds of stuff I've never eaten before while running. And it's sort of like you're going much slower. You're drinking, uh, hopefully you're drinking a lot of water. So I haven't had huge, any huge stomach issues. Yeah. Um, experimenting that way. But the reason I do it is because I know I need more calories, but I have still yet to find some sort of solid food that I can eat that that's going to give me, you know, even 500 calories would be great. Right. At that point. Right. And it, it's not a Big Mac. It's not a sandwich. <laughs> no, I mean, no. it's just not. No, because you're, yeah, your mouth is dry and you're, you're, you're not in eating mode, even though you need the calorie. That's the hardest part about it, right? You're not really your body's not prepared to take that in. So it has to be super dense, sort mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. calorie dense, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I, I wanted to also mention sort of how the the surroundings and the terrain changed up to that mile 20 point, because we were in Boston, we were downtown Boston um, and along the river um, for that first 10 miles or so, Boston and Cambridge. And so we were on sidewalks or, or little trails, but we were surrounded by, by people and, and buildings and everything. And then we get on that Minuteman commuter bikeway and that's just a paved formal railroad. And a lot of it goes right through, um, you know, sort of backyards and, and forests and, and areas like that. So mm-hmm. we were really um, secluded, especially once you get past Lexington. Um, so a, a big change, just like a noise change and a number of people you're seeing. Just well, and take- yeah, and the more n- north you sort of take it, it, the people just taper off more and more, and that uh, that became especially true as the, as the weather shifted, because we hit one point where 
we looked to our left and we saw the very, very gray sky coming. There had even been patches of sun before that, but the temperature started to dip. And uh, we were in that one section where the leaves started all coming down because the wind picked up, which was crazy. Um, but then yeah, the temperature it, drop happened in about one minute or less. Yeah. And everybody sort of disappeared. Like there was just nobody else about. And that sort of, uh, that was sort of the start of our last big uh, third really of, okay, well now we've been doing this so long <laughs> that everybody else has done with their exercise for the dead. You know what I mean? They've all gone on to their other things. Their routines are over. We're still going. And we're still running. And we were uh, after mile 20 when we got deep into Bedford and then hopped off the end of the trail and into um, the reformatory uh, trail. Once again, once again, I, I, I was trying to convince you, you know, walking is perfectly acceptable at this point. And what happened? Just as that happened and mm -hmm. we started walking and, and I, I would say actually just ambling along, yeah, <laughs> yeah. shoving something into our mouths. Uh, there are Emily Saul and Lisa Sugarman again with their homemade How Was Your Run Today shirts waiting for us at the far end of the trail, waving like lunatics and um, doing a repeat performance, good. a repeat like yeah. what, how, what are you, what's going how on? did this happen? So we picked it up and ran toward them. And then they wound up, I think, uh, against their their uh, initial plan. They wound mm. up sticking with us the entire rest of the run. Um, yeah. Which was, it was fantastic. It was yeah. fantastic. And at that point, uh, we crossed the road and almost just short of the North Bridge in Concord, there was Andrea Bonnie Gould and Flat Lori. Lori Sandollar. Who immediately sure. gave us Martin Energy gels to eat and electrolytes to add to our water because this is what a hundred mile champion guru trail boss does right she doesn't she say hi she doesn't say good job she gives you fuel and nutrition and then says hi and good job in the frozen north tempered on the trail sharpened on the streets Lori is taking her conch shell to the world's toughest foot race. And that was my first uh, Martin gel I'd ever had. I'd, I'd never done that before. And I found it to be enjoyable and very uh, almost jello-like, uh, a little more stable than jello, meaning a little easier to, to deal with. And uh, I definitely noticed a change in my outlook right after ingesting it. So thank you, Lori. Yeah, in that July ultra I did, she saved me with one. My stomach was getting a little goofy, and, and that thing settled it right down. So uh, kudos to Martin for those those gel shots or <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Uh, we caught, crossed over the bridge, took a bunch of pictures. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, great. And, and then started, if you can imagine a candy cane, if we had started at the very bottom in Boston mm. and gone up, to where the curve begins. This is where the bridge was. And then we actually started to curve back as yeah. we ran through the little, the little town, the little bustling town of downtown Concord. Um, where, we along, hit, uh, where we hit 26.2, which I enjoyed. That was great. And then we go along the sidewalk where we pass sort of all these old colonial houses. Uh, the fall colors at that point were uh, very amazing. Totally Amazing. intense. All the maples were orange and yellow. And um, we passed, what is it? The Little Women House, the Alcott mm -hmm. House mm -hmm. <laughs> was right there. And then the Wayside Inn. And then we got to Miriam's Corner, which is the beginning of the Battle Road, yep. uh, which is actually the a section that Paul Revere ran on. It was actually where he was captured by the British, uh, just for you history buffs out there. Um, and we changed back again from sidewalk to, um, packed dirt at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And clearly we all knew that we were in the home stretch. Uh, yeah. I think we still had three and a half miles to three go. Three and a so, half, four to go. Yeah. So we weren't done. Um, no, but light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Mentally. Yeah. And just having, uh, Lisa and Emily with us, we kind of, 
paired off and would switch switch around as it yeah. as it went and have different conversations, which was great. A, it took you know you and I had had uh, a long stretch just each of us, and it was really great. I think to have someone else um, to talk to. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and a, a, a distraction, but also an engagement and. Um... Uh, uh, you know, I, I feel I, they helped me move along faster than I normally would for sure. And then the great thing was, uh, about two miles short of our planned, um, our planned finish, there's another parking lot and Andrea drove by us, waved and parked at the closer parking lot, which was, uh, incredibly again, fortuitous because, um, we were going to hit our goal quicker than we had thought. So right. uh, we ran up to her. I think you, you dumped your backpack. We saw Anna Brooks was waiting there as well. Yeah. Uh, I took my bag. I think we had a, just under a mile left. So I, I ditched my backpack to do the last bit sort of free of that, which felt amazingly good. And by this point, the rain was pretty heavy on and off. Yeah. yeah uh, it wasn't, serious. wasn't a steady driving rain, but it would downpour and then slow down and downpour and slow down. So we turned around, retraced our steps for half a mile and then came back. And then a funny little thing happened, <laughs> which was our watches had been pretty well synchronized, but they're never a hundred percent on. And you hit 31.2 miles, which was the end of your 50 K ultra. Technically. And, yes. And mine hadn't yet hit that. And at the same time, I also had in the back of my mind that I wanted to go just a little further than I had mm -hmm. with Lori on July 3rd, which would make that run my longest run ever. Right. But I wasn't able to do that because uh, you just started screaming, what does your watch say? <laughs> yeah, because I didn't, I didn't understand. Say? Why are what we still running? Why aren't we done yet? And I'm saying, Peter, we're literally talking about tenths of a mile. If you want to stop, you could stop and I'll turn around and come back to you. But I couldn't, A, I couldn't get all those words out in any sort of coherent manner. And you weren't going to hear them anyway, because you just kept screaming, what does your watch say? I need to, <laughs> I need to walk. <laughs> I think I got a little aggressive toward the end. I pulled a little Dan uh, animates there at the end. <laughs> And he said, I have to cool down. You don't understand. I, I need have to cool, to cool down. down. I can't just stop. And, and everyone said, walk around the parking lot when we get there. And you were like, no, what does your watch say? So when my watch finally said 31.2, which was all of about 45 seconds later, uh, we regrouped and then yeah, wound up sprinting for about 50 right. minutes. And to be fair, my total freak out really was less than a minute. Oh, it wasn't the time. It was the intensity. It wasn't the duration. It was the intensity. <laughs> well, that would be true for my sprint too. At the end. Anyway. And it was the only freak out by either of us, I think, the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and then so my, so my ending watch actually was 31.38. Yeah. I, I think yours was 31.2 something. Two something. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is weird fine. because you had been ahead of me at one point on the watch. But you know what? Any one of those rest stops where I keep moving or you don't, you know, whatever it is, you know, if I'm still shuffling my feet, because we never turn the watches off could have accounted for uh, it could even be that you ran straight and I do like a little bob and weave. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be of anything. Course. Of course. Anything. Over 31 miles. Holy cow. Over 31 miles. And, but we did finish and it was raining hard, um, but we were all glad and we took photos and oh, so everyone uh, profusely and then piled in our cars and came back to our, our place. Um, but I'd like to say that I really felt good. You know, I had, I had thought maybe I'd be a little wrecked, but uh, I, I felt really, really good uh, at the end of the race. And I think, again, it was training, it was Sam's, and it was uh, good fueling practices. Despite, you know, everything we said we would do better next time. Right, right. I think we did pretty well. Certainly did pretty well for our first outing of that nature. That's that size, that scope. And you know, trying to compare first to first the way I felt after my first Boston, where it took me a very long time to change my shoes and to change my shorts into pants and to like use my limbs a certain way. 
there was none of that. Just none of it. Like everything's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. And even the next day really felt fine. It wasn't really until Sunday, two days out that I felt a little soreness. I was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. Okay. Okay. Um, but even that wasn't that bad. I did have a chafing situation that I was not fully aware of on the day. It was much more the next day. And it was uh, on my right side where the backpack clearly I could have either had it been tighter or um, body glide. Now that I know where that spot is, body glide probably would have solved it. Uh-huh. But uh, it's a good size patch sort of um, near my shoulder blade uh, on the right side down and in. Oh, but the, that um, at least it didn't affect you on the day. No, it definitely did not. I didn't even feel it. it. did not even feel it. It was really one of those showers that night where everything came into clear focus when the water hit it. And it was like, oh, oh my. How? Now tell me, did you encounter any blisters? No, I have zero blisters on my feet. Thank you very much, body glide and and trying to stay pretty dry in the sock area. Although yeah. I never did change my socks. I had a plan where I could do that. And had it rained much earlier, the level that it did toward the end, probably would have had to. But no, no blisters. My toenails are all kinds of weird, but that is also true from training. I did, nothing specifically happened. Uh, I, I'm very lucky to answer your question. Yeah, I didn't have any foot problems until about five miles from the finish. Uh, we finally hit some puddles and my mm. feet did get wet for the first time. Mm. Um, so, right, changing socks wouldn't have done anything for me prior to that. Uh, and then pretty quickly after that, I was aware of two blisters that I had, one on each foot. And if I, if this was not going to be a 50K, but 50 miler for some reason, um, I would have had to attend to those because um, they became significantly painful uh, later on that evening. Yeah. But, but for the purposes of running that race or that event, no, not at all. Yeah, I, I, I felt great. It was, it was really good. It was, it was by far, well, I think I probably say this about everything. It was, it was the most fun I've ever had at a long distance race, but I think I've said that after every long distance <laughs> race I've ever done. So under the heading of you saved me, uh, this, the, the moment at the mile 20 and a half rest off with Andrew Bonnie Gould, when we were about to leave and you said to me, do you want to fill up your bladder with new water? And I said, no, no, I think I have plenty in there. And you said, are you sure? And then I took off my backpack and I looked at it and it was easily two thirds empty. And we still had 10 miles to go, 11 miles to go. So thank you for that because I would have been in deep doo-doo and <laughs> I ended up, I mean, that bladder holds uh, two liters, 70 ounces of water. I went through two full liters. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, two full bladders. So four liters, um, 140 ounces of water, plus some additional extra water that uh, Corinne Hathaway let me steal from her. Um, I took in a lot of fluid that day. A lot. Yeah, and I think you probably were just at the the low threshold of what you should have been taking. There was a point at which mm. I don't remember how far in uh, where you were you were getting a little you were getting a little grumpy. Your hands were a little swollen, and you said you hadn't peed, and we had been about four or five hours in. And yeah, and the peeing thing, like I didn't really pee much at all the whole day, but I had so much the day before. And they're just, I, I think I was just, I think I just sweated out because I, well, I definitely go through it. Sure. And, and the danger there is you're losing your salt and electrolytes and stuff like that. So I just gave you the nothing original. It was the exact same um, advice that Lori gave me when I hit exact, you looked exactly like I did at mile. Uh, I don't know what it was. Mile 21 for the uh, independent independence day ultra, which was, I, it was, it was like looking at a mirror and I just said, drink all the water you have right now right, right. and make sure you're, you're taking in your electrolytes. But that was it. That, that was really the only, that was the only time where I thought, Oh, this, this adventure might go sideways. Yeah. I never got queasy. I never got lightheaded. Um, I never fell. That's a big one. 
it's nice to not fall down. Uh, yeah. Other than I probably could have done easily 500 to a thousand more calories across the day easily. Um, I just, I have to come up with uh, a more efficient way to do that. Yeah. I think that's going to be my next sort of Holy grail, which is, which is, yeah, about 400, maybe even 400 to 500 calorie, easily digestible, quick to whack. eat, yeah, yeah. calorie dense food that yeah. preferably doesn't come out of a um, plastic wrapper. Um, be great. It'd be great because, as, as, yeah, I mean, peanut butter crackers get old after a while. Yeah, I mean, the, everything I ate was sort of um, manufactured if it was a gel or a goo or some sort of, uh, you know, Thing, thing like that that's made for for distance running or the bars I was talking about or even the pretzel. I tried your pretzels with uh, stuff with peanut butter. They were those are amazing. Good. Those are good. And I, I, it's so funny. I had I had told you about those and I used them all through my training and I didn't have them for this run. And that was insane to me. But I, brought, I brought some to share. Thank you for sharing. So, Peter, congratulations. Thank you so much, and, and thank you for being a great guide, a steady hand. Uh, you've been there before. Uh, you, you, made it a, you made it a good day. Oh, thank you. Well, you did too. Let me say this, uh, and you can only say this in, in retrospect and in hindsight. Uh, are, you, are you now feeling better about any of those training goals you didn't hit? <laughs> I mean, given the results, given, given how well we did on the day, yeah. you know, I have to look back and think about the times where I missed a workout or I didn't hit my mileage goals or blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, I certainly did something right. Yeah, no, I have no, no quibble with any part of my training um, or what I was tasked to do. And, and it was all beneficial every, every bit of it. And I was actually communicating with Professor uh, Lollipop today to say, because we're now three days out from the run. I said, when, when do I run again? Do I, am I looking at running tomorrow? And he's like, oh, no, you're not running till uh, Friday or Saturday. And even then, it's going to be light. And I went on a couple of sites, too, to say after you know, recovering from an ultra. And, yeah, no, you, you don't really do much more than a 20 or 30-minute run tops. You do it five or six or seven days after. And you just have to be careful. You just—I didn't even—I re- didn't realize that. So there's like a whole post-training thing that I hadn't really thought about at all. I focused so much on the race that I didn't really understand. Well, what would it be like on the other side of that? Um, yeah, because I feel good, but I also know I'm sore, and I also know uh, my body is healing, and I'm replenishing. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same as the taper. The reason you tapers because you have been punishing your body and you need to, yes. you need to rest yes. so that it can be as strong as possible, not as uh, exhausted as possible. And, and you're doing the same thing on the other side of this run. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up the taper because let me just say, uh, because I did mention it quickly at the end of the, uh, the talk with uh, Dan and Riley. So I did uh, unwisely attempt a caffeine taper and I bought decaf coffee and about four or five days out, I started trying that and it instantly destroyed me. I, I got the headache. Um, my body went into withdrawal from caffeine. It was not a great scene in an already crazy tapering person. The, the decaf coffee did not help. So uh, that won't be happening again, but it was a good experiment I quickly reversed it and two days before the race started drinking regular coffee again. Uh, and it was perfectly fine, but yeah, no, not for me. I think some people, it probably works great. I think if you can take it seriously and much like, uh, I think Dan has suggested like, you know, 10 or 12 days out, you start that taper, not four or five days ahead, but uh, it's also not for me. So thanks everybody. Dan also doesn't drink coffee. So he also whole- and he doesn't drink water apparently when he's running. So. <laughs> Only when he's running. <laughs> um, Peter, you know that the 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 question everybody asks. Oh, sure. After this kind of thing, because you is, did, I know exactly what you're going to say. Go ahead. It is what's next, and immediately my mind started started rummaging around and thinking of things. 
Um, and I actually did think of a, an event, which I'm, which now 24 hours after that, and as the, I get a little bit further, mm. uh, and I think the effects of running uh, 50 kilometers in one day um, start to, that, that tail starts to get longer and I continue to feel a little bit of the effects, not, not necessarily even physical, just like a satisfied exhaustion, mentally, sure. physical. Sure. I'm thinking, well, maybe I don't need to do that. And, and part of that is because I'm remembering <laughs> how intense the training is. And it really is the, the day is fantastic, but the, um, the training can be taxing. But in any case, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts about what's next. Well, you had asked me, um, maybe an hour to two hours after the race. Uh, what do you think of 50 miler? What do you think? And my answer was not no. And I would say it's still not a firm no. It is a, we'll see. And it's more of, to your point, well, how do you get the training in? Uh, how, do you, how do you make room for that in your life to do even that much more training, which you would have to do because, again, success is in the training. But another 32-mile race or something? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, we'll see how we, we're entering into winter now uh, soon, and it's going to be harder to even just get my average 20, 25 miles a week safely in without the aid of a treadmill. So let's see how the winter goes. And But am I already thinking about well, what would the route be that I should take uh, from Brookline to my mom's house up on the North Shore? Like, what, what would that route be like? And how supported would that race, ha that run have to be? Could I do it? You know, can I carry everything with me? You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, the brain's definitely doing its thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah. Mm. Well, I, I would have to say that I think we did really well uh, semi-supported, mm -hmm. you know, without, without a, a, a race event structure around us. You know, we certainly did fine. But we weren't unsupported because we had, two real aid stops uh, from friends and we had pl a planned giant aid stop uh, with Andrea. Right. Right. And we, you know, if we hadn't had those, a, our backpacks would have been much heavier and that now would have caused a whole problem other of other issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or we would have been stopping and buying things. And then you're sort of at the whim of what's available. Yep. And you also can't control your uh, downtime as much as I learned from my Trader Joe's experience. <laughs> that's, and that's right. Uh, I want to say another thing we did, I think in advance that was so smart was that we saw the majority of the, of the, of the trail you set out and we ran the majority of it in pieces. And that was hugely beneficial. I would agree. Yeah. We always knew what was coming up. Yeah. Uh, with, with maybe the exception of uh, maybe five miles total. Not maybe. even. Not, not even. even. Three not miles. Even. Yeah. Not even. And it's so funny because so much of the front part of it, we had done almost seven months to the day as part of the um, running tour, uh, city running tours we did of the, of the Freedom Trail. So we had done so much of it already. And of course, the Esplanade part is my stomping grounds. And we had been up and back on the uh, bike trail, the Minuteman bike path so many times in pieces. I, I just found oh. it com comforting. Yeah, what's amazing is that's right. The first 10 miles, almost all of that was familiar. And then the 21 miles after that, yeah, we had, <laughs> we had actually that we had, like we so had much. scouted it out and done long runs on every single piece of it. So you're right. It was... It was totally familiar. There, it was only when there was a little construction detour uh, where I didn't know exactly where our footfalls were going to be. It's crazy that you just said the first 10 miles and then the 21 miles after. That seems like so insane to me to hear like, and 21 more miles. But in the day, I wasn't really thinking like that. If anything, I was thinking like, well, 10, 10, and 10. That's kind of loosely what I was doing, but I wasn't even doing that because of so many guest stars who kept popping in. It all was broken up so efficiently. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? It didn't really, your brain sort of goes away. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. just know you're just going to keep moving. Yeah, that, just going to keep moving. You know, when we say mindset, you know, it's finally dawning on me this, this far into it. And it really started actually in the training for this race uh, after the Independent Independence Day Ultra where I really – that phrase and my mindset, it sort of took it, took it to a new level, if you will. Uh, it it n- meant something different, which is me continuing to move is really just my choice. Right. You know, right. Unless I, I suffer a catastrophic injury, I'm right. just going to be able to keep going. And, and the fact that we, we had no commitment to a pace that's the biggest difference between any i've ever done yes uh, and this and that that made a huge difference too sure could you have run this particular route because it wasn't technically challenging at all uh at a pace that was much faster if that's who you were of course of course but when we took that out i think we actually walked a lot less than we would have otherwise because oh we, right because you don't just, break you, you, you don't you, break you don't mentally sit there looking at your watch being like well now i have to divide this and i'm not getting the thing and now i have to bring it yeah. up to in order to meet the yep and we never got uh, i'll speak for myself i never got to that level of exhaustion where i had to stop you know i no, got no i got i never the, felt like i wish i could just stand still i never felt that and our walk breaks were relatively modest you know it was a minute or two uh, I think. Well, and let me ask you that. What do you think if you had to add it all up out of 31.2 or 0.3 or whatever miles we did, how many miles did we walk? Oh, I have no idea. I, What's a guess? One, two, maybe. If you add it all together. I, That's what I'm saying. Like if you add it, very, is it two? It, it's a very small amount. Very small. And, the, you know, we did, you had us walking a little more than I would have expected early on, like with uh, Louise in mm-hmm. miles, I would say 11, 12 and 13. Yeah. It was early on. Yeah. Um, you were, you took quite a few walk breaks and just in the back of my mind, a little doubt started creeping in. Like I've run a, you know, we, we actually have done quite a bit of, uh, we haven't done any short distance training, but we had done what five or six, um, long, long, slow runs together in the, in the buildup to this day to the pumpkin strice ultra. Mm, mm. And I thought, this is not really Peter right here. I don't know what's going on. And I, I got a little bit worried. Um, but then at the Michael Goff pickle and lemonade station, mm-hmm. um, that was a, that was a turning point. I think you got, you got what you needed nutrition wise. Um, you've, yep. we yep. had just gone, we just seen, Karina and Ben, and we saw Michael and Joe Evan. I think that buoyed you up a little bit. And from that point on, in in, I had no doubts. Um, well, about- part of part of what the the uh, the Louise uh, the Louise part after we said goodbye to Lisa and to Emily the first time, and we were just Louise is a really good runner. She's very fast, or can be. Yes. and she was very good about keeping it down for us, but you guys don't understand the pace I need to be. That's why I was like, guys, it's this pace. It's right here. And when I wasn't getting that, I was like, fine, I'm going to walk. And by walking, I'll make you guys stop for a second and figure it out. And then we can get back to it. Like it was a game I was playing. I was like, I have to slow this down. Okay. Because even even though it was still slow, it wasn't quite slow enough. Because it wasn't about pace. It was about heart rate. So right. for me, I was keeping my target of 140 to 145 heart rate and sort of left unchecked as the conversation would continue because we were all engaged in conversation. I'm looking down, it's 155. It's 158. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. And if I couldn't get that, well, I'm going to walk and get it down to 135. Yeah. And, and that's really smart because once you're at 155 for any length of time, I mean, it's one thing if you're running a marathon. It's another if you're doing haha, only a marathon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a silly comment. Half a marathon or shorter. Right, um, right. It is going to affect you because the day is long. The day is long. So you're right. So and, yeah. I was really trying to be guided solely by heart rate. And 
I was trying to, I was trying to forecast if I burn here now, if I do this now, will I be, will I be okay? Miles 24, 27, 29. And will I have it still? And what I, what I found, despite the fact that towards the end, I was yelling at you about looking at your watch. I mean, I had an endorphin hit and I was really good to go. I was fine really at the end. I wasn't even kind of hurting at the end. I was like, yeah. let's do this thing. Yeah. Unlike any distance event I've ever done, I was not wrecked. Uh, for example, the independent independence day ultra with Lori, I ran that last mile, but I had walked pretty much the three miles prior to that. Um, and before that, when I did Pinelands, oh yeah, there were miles of walking. Uh, oh, that. And, oh and I, yeah. I really hit bottom. Uh, several times during that event. And even when I did a 15K mountain slog up and down Killington, Mount, uh, Killington Ski Mountain a couple summers ago, the event was fantastic. It was beautiful. It was great. There were talk to people the whole time, but my legs were destroyed. Right, um, right. I, you know, I, I barely made it across. The, and I, I mean, I've had half marathons finished and I felt way worse than I did at the end of this day. Seriously. Well, had, no, I've had 10 Ks where I've, <laughs> I felt, yes. I've yes. had that. There was a hot BAA 10 K where I felt gross after much more so than this. And my last Boston in 2017, I barely finished really. When you think about the amount of walking I had to do and how poorly trained I was for it. And this was like, no, this felt great. This felt great. It was just a, just a different scale. Yeah. And it's funny that now I, I thought I think back to the things that, for example, like Caleb Danilov or um, Tim Sullivan would say to us early on in the show uh, of us doing the show about ultras. And mm. now, you know, finally now I, I kind of get it. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff about the when you're actually you're running a supported ultra about the community and all of that. And and, and um that, that I have experience and is great, but the sort of how different it is physically and mentally um, really, really hit me hard yeah. and said, oh, I think that this might be what I'm into now. Mm. You know, I really, I really liked it. Um, I don't need to wake up at four o'clock every morning. Um, no. That, no. That's, <laughs> that's real. I'm, I might want to do something if I can, either in the winter or the early spring where you still, you can't start until, or unless you want to run in the dark, you know, eight o'clock, you know, eight thirty, nine AM. That's a mm. good time to start. That's a good we'll one. See. Run until it gets dark again. Yeah. I'm very happy, very happy overall. And, um, uh, hugely thankful for everybody who assisted us in every way, including everybody who has said such supportive and lovely things, uh, online and, and uh, on the socials and by email. And um, it's meant a lot. We heard, we heard everything. We've seen everything. Thank you, everybody. And um, I hope, you know, I hope, uh, I hope the pictures are worth it. I hope my dance at the end was worth it, everybody. Cause I think it was, I think that's a quality dance I do at the end. I only wish that in that moment that you were doing the dance, uh, there weren't so many photos of me just staring at my watch. Because you're so mad. I did. No, I was just <laughs> looking. I happened to be looking at it, and you were doing a dance. And then uh, I did look over and watch. You did at dance. one point. You did. Yeah, it was but good. It was really I've good. seen multiple, multiple photos of you dancing, all right. happy and elated. I'm like a moron staring at my watch. I don't even know what I was doing, but. You were probably doing that thing, which I get so nervous about. Like, did this save? Did I, I always save it? Did I hit delete? Oh, I did start getting the low battery warning. So, oh, so uh, scary. that might have been what I was freaking out about. But, so uh, scary. Yeah. I would have danced uh, with you had I, if I knew how to dance. I might have to throw my shoes away soon. I did. Oh. I, I, but they were used to begin with off of eBay. And I put over 200 miles on them between training and that race. Yeah, I'd get rid of them. So they might be done. So I did uh, run four miles in my shoes prior to the event. But so I, right. I had That's shoes right. that had, I had broken in with a four mile, a slow four miler. So I, I still have, this is the second race where I've run on basically brand new shoes. 
I think that's the way to go. That's a shout out to Chris Heisler who gave us that uh, little tidbit. And I'm actually a hundred percent on it. Whereas Paul Davies, when he you heard you say that in the first mile that we were running, he thought you were kidding. So uh, he, he and you might want to have a uh, conversation about that. Cause I think I can, he has, I think he has a different philosophy about that. I can only talk to you about experience. All I'm doing True. is gathering experience and acting on it. And what I have to say is if I'm going to do a super long event like that, yeah, I'm going to have shoes that are very close to brand new. And I'm not going to have hard boiled eggs. <laughs> These are the things we learned. The, oh, the other thing we learned, I learned, and I would never have thought about this was, um, Paul gave me the advice the night before, um, late afternoon, early evening. Cause I, he checked on me and he said, are you drinking enough water today? I said, I'm drinking all the water, all the water. He goes, okay. But are you actually drinking with any kind of electrolytes? Are you adding, uh, you know, a noon tablet to anything? And I was like, Oh, should I be doing that? He said, yes, because you're hydrating so much the day before you're flowing everything out, including all your electrolytes. So you don't want to walk into tomorrow depleted of electrolytes. So have a quick 16-ouncer with a tablet in it tonight. And I did, and it felt great. And that's, no, that's something I never would have thought about. And then the next day, um, when I got ready for the race, and I filled up my bladder, because it was 70 ounces, I put in four tablets into my bladder and um, was starting to pack it up. Well, they're effervescent, right, slightly. And there's only a little bit of room at the top of the bag when you're sealing it. But the problem is there's a chemical reaction happening inside. Like that air is getting really stiff because it's getting full of CO2, right? That's right. So I actually had to wait and hover over my sink and let the mixture sort of calm down its bubble before sealing it. Because um, the last thing I would want is to rupture and have a leak or anything. Yeah, you had a you had a Coca-Cola and Mentos situation going. Could have been, could have been. Blood. Not that extreme, but it could definitely go that direction, yeah. yeah. And really when I think about it, what I should have done was put it in the tumbler and let it you know do its thing separately and then pour all of that into the bladder once it's concocted. That's what you should do, I think. Or you, you don't gone, you could have gone with two tablets instead of four. That seems too diluted to me, but I guess it doesn't really matter. It's all going to get in there. Yeah, cuz I I do uh, of course, I do the uh, new tablets, but I'm also a little old school where I always have Gatorade for these events. I don't drink Gatorade on any sort of regular basis, but at events I do just because I know it works. So yeah, final analysis. Good day. Uh, secret was in the training. Secret was in the company. Um, uh, no complaints. And honestly, the weather, when I really think about it, was kind of great because even though it was a little humid in the morning, it was overcast. Uh, you know, 60s, and then a little bit of rain at the end. And who doesn't like to uh, run in the rain? I mean, running in the rain is kind of good. Uh, it was great. And given the uh, hot and dry summer we've had, uh, it was just spectacular conditions. And I have to say, yes, thank you again to everybody who came out to support us, everybody who gave us something to eat or drink, everybody who smiled and waved, and especially Louise and Lisa and Emily for running with us. Oh, and Paul for running with us. Yeah, so much. Uh, yeah. Everybody made our that that made the day. It, it was just great. And thank you for buying um, the best sandwich in the world, the Phil's Fabulous, for our celebrate celebratory uh, completion meal. Um, that is like a mufalata on steroids. It's uh, press meats on uh, focaccia bread with a little top and knot and pickles. It's a perfect sandwich. Your sodium levels uh, uh, will ha recover immediately upon eating that. That's yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty darn good. And actually the root beer was pretty good. Uh, turns out I'm not a soda guy, but boy, I was that day. Yeah, so thank you. It's good time. Good time. Well, thanks for the memories. That was it. Hey, listen, this was also our fifth anniversary show. So, I mean, whatever. No big deal. Five years. Well, congratulations to you, Peter. Well, congratulations to you for your consistency, Brian. I hope it's made a difference in your life. 
Of course it has. Hey. Are we ending we're ending the ultra show? That's over. Hey. Hey, I feel pretty good about it. Hey, I'm a little chafed. Hey. This has been episode 211 of How Is Your Run Today with Brian Gould and Peter Villa. The music is composed by ultra composer Jeff Cronenberg. Thanks to everyone who cheered us on and ran with us and folks that checked in uh, online and, and everywhere else. This was a really great experience. And hopefully before too long, we'll have be able to have an experience in real life, IRL, with actual people listeners and everyone else uh, we just need to get through this stupid virus thing if you want to know more about the show go to howisyourruntoday.com that's hwyrt.com you can also join us on saturdays on our sat stat chat go on instagram facebook and or twitter tell us where you ran how the weather was and please include a sweet sweet photo hey peter yo you know this show is brought to you by path projects that's pathprojects.com www.pathprojects.com yeah and i wore my path projects uh, liners shorts and shirt for that entire run and they were fantastic and i wore my hat my path projects hat that i love that you were coveting and there's nothing i can do about it i love that muir cap maybe someday yours will go missing and i will suddenly be an owner of one don't like that thanks in order to paul corinne jeremy louise lisa emily karina Ben, Michael, Joev, Lori. Huge thanks to Andrew Bonnie Gould, artist in residence, and chief crew chief. Chief crew chief? She is the chief crew chief. And social media guru, Anna Brooks. Andrea, Anna, you're our biggest supporters, and we know it. And a big thank you to Brian Gould for getting me to go do this thing. You're welcome, Pete, and thank you to you as well. I'm glad we did it together. All right, up next triathlons okay i'm leaving goodbye no, you should you should absolutely edit that part out that's not a real thing good thank god oh my god i'm not i'm not a swimmer nope not a very strong swimmer and the, all the components of the bike and freak me my, out my my, my already hurts from the just thinking about the bike scene they came to where they we thought they came to where they thought we had been hold on a gold dime oh gold plated dime